My name is Vida, Sister Prince, and today is May 14, 1992, and I'm at the St. Louis Altenheim Retirement Home, and I'm interviewing Irma Scott for the Missouri Historical Society's Oral History Project concerning World War II. Irma has just informed me that uh, the pronunciation of her name, tell me about that. Irma. Irma. Uh, my mother said it uh, from the old German name Irmgard. 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 Uh, and she just left the last part off and made it Irma. Irma. Um, when were you born? Uh, February the 11th, 1910. 1910. Mm -hmm. okay. um, now, when I spoke to you on the phone, we were talking about uh, what you were doing during World War mm -hmm. II, and before we get to that, could you just tell me, you were born in St. Louis? Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, where, where did you live when you were a child? On uh, uh, St. Vincent Avenue for a while, and uh, so I was about nine, as I recall, and then we, and my mother probably bought a little place on Oregon Avenue, which is now under State Highway 44. I see. <laughs> but the old Hodgins School is still standing there, and the uh, library on Jefferson Avenue is still there. And you were, um, were you an only child? No, I was one of five. One of five. Mm -hmm. Where did you fit into your family? I second oldest. Mm -hmm. what, what did your dad do? He was baker. Baker. He got up about 2.30 in the morning went to work, and during Depression years, um, my dad was the one that got the A's. He would make up a milkshake with an A's in the morning and drink it all before he went to work. And uh, I know a lot of people thought that in those Depression years that things were cheap. But I remember going to the store and paying 90 cents a dozen for A's. Mm -hmm. And you know, the wages weren't all that high, and with five children, uh, that was a lot of money. What were the depression years like for you, for you and your family? I was not talking depression, um, talking World War One. Mm -hmm. uh, the depression later. I was in training at the hospital. Uh, well, what were the early World War One years oh. like for your family? Well, I just remember that um, uh, mother could only buy like one pork chop and. We would watch my father eat it because he was a working man. Uh, a funny thing about this, mother would make rice soup and cut up weenies in it. We didn't know any difference. We liked it. Many years later, I came across a book put out by a sorority, and there was a soup recipe called Children's Delight. And you know what it was? It was the, the milk soup with the rice and the weenies. <laughs> All the things that you had. <laughs> but we ate very simply. Uh, mother was on good terms with the huckster that would come through in the summer. And he knew that if tomatoes were cheap enough, Mama would buy a bushel. And very often we would wake up and see a bushel of tomatoes on the back door. That meant we were going to can that day mm -hmm. or any other vegetables. That's how she got her vegetables to can. And that's what we did. Um, and what did you do as a youngster, as a little girl? Oh, I guess I was such a tomboy. I uh, 
Mother wanted me to take piano lessons, and somehow I never got around to practicing, and she always said I would be very sorry someday, and uh, her words were never spoken because today I would have gone back and practiced that I had a chance to do it that early and I would have because I would love right now to be able to play the piano and I cannot. Mm -hmm. It just didn't take the time. But I seemed like there were always chores. Uh, I was in second oldest and there was always something to do around the house and I want a little time to play and I felt I couldn't say and I'd steady and I didn't want to take the time to practice piano. Mm -hmm. What kind of chores did you have? Believe it or not, I had to wash out a bottle. My, oh, my mother hated to hear me say this, but I would have a bucket of diapers to wash out. You know, you didn't have machines at that time. You did it the hard way, but it was always that pail of diapers. And I guess that was one thing Mama could let go until I got home from school. Mm -hmm. And she didn't like to hear you complain? No, and, well, now I don't know that I complained at the time, mm -hmm. really. I don't remember that, but remember telling about it. Mother lived with us the last 10 years of her life, mm -hmm. and we would talk about it, and I would always say I had this to do that. Oh, Mama said it wasn't all that bad. I said, but Mama, there was always a baby, and there was always a bucket of diapers. <laughs> that I remember. And <laughs> you always got them. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like uh, you took care of people pretty much all your life. I guess I'm one of those, um, I just say service-oriented people. I mean, I, I mean, that's just my nature. So Some, here uh, you brought me this. Mm -hmm. uh, we're starting in. This would really start my war years because if it hadn't been for this diploma, I wouldn't have met my husband. Okay, so, so, so I wouldn't have gotten involved in let's that. Let's talk about that. Did you? Did you? What was your schooling? See, nursing. But you know, prior, oh, just high school. Hi yeah. And what high school did you go? I to? went to McKinley and part time at Roseville. Part time at Roseville. Mostly McKinley. And I really didn't finish to get a diploma. I went on into business work. Okay, how, now tell me about mm -hmm. this. You've got a certificate Well, the business there. is a, a religious organization uh, dedicated to the care of the sick. Now it's become a big hospital spread all over the city. Mm -hmm. But at the time uh, I started, it was over in Cerebus Bell, a very bad neighborhood. And, um, then in 1930, they moved over on their present location on Oakland Avenue, and we thought we had just a super brand new, up-to-date hospital, which now seems is just the smallest part yeah. of that whole place. But it was a church oriented. We had a four-year course. We had two years of religion with Reverend Jen, and we had what they call consecration services. Is it J E N? J E N S. Uh huh. Is this Catholic? No, no. It is that the the German came from Germany. Uh, um The Protestants. Yes. Uh huh. Florence Nightingale took a course, her training course at the Deaconess Hospital in Germany. Hmm. It's from Germany. What does Deaconess mean? Do you know? Well. Um, one who serves, I suppose. A deacon in the church was the one who would serve in the church and mm -hmm. deaconesses. Now they uh, they call those that serve on the board or the board of deacons deaconesses. But at this time, it, these were medical. 
So you trained to be a, a evangelical nurse. deaconess home and hospital uh -huh, school for uh -huh. deaconess nurses. nurses yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so you were, were you a, a, a registered nurse? Yes, yes, I know I am. Give shots and oh yeah, so do yeah all I that. did everything. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So you so you went into this, and uh -huh. what did it mean going into this? Besides just being a regular nurse and going to nursing school, what well, they were. Was there a difference? Yes, we had regular Bible study. We had um, worship service, chapel mm -hmm. service. Uh, of course, you were not to date men, <laughs> you know. So how did I get married? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Wait, it's, it's also the May twenty second, nineteen thirty two, which we're about to come upon. Yeah. So this would be. 92, 32, 62 years. 60, 60 years ago. 60, 60 mm -hmm. years ago. It mm -hmm. doesn't seem, I'm the only one left in my class. Oh, really? Uh, and I would tell you one little thing that's always amused me with, I'm still, there's only about 12 deacons left at, at the hospital. And they care for them very well, the Deacon Society, the church does take care of them. And, um, but I, one of the girls that I roomed with for a while, and we had a lot of fun together, and um, we were, our consecration was held at St. Luke's Church on Tennessee between Sydney and Shenandoah. It was my home church. And so we were all sitting in the front row, and we had, they had given us Dr. Williams white canvas shoes and I have a large foot and putting that on I thought I had a shoebox on see mm -hmm. we were all sitting there the choir gets up to sing and they sing how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of them who serve <laughs> and one of my classmates said I we got so tickled and it was we could hardly control ourselves and the sister Gertrude and I still laugh about about they were up there see and she got as tickled in the choir as I did sitting down below so you had a lot of good time yeah. with this yeah. how did you happen to, to do this well it was our church hospital and uh, mama was a good friend of sister Magdalene at that time sister was sister Magdalene Magdalene uh -huh. and she at that time was um, uh, the head of the Society, I'm not the society, but of the deaconess is the school. And uh, she had given me a book when I was quite young to read about it. And I had a cousin, Mama's cousin, that was a missionary in India. And I just thought, oh, this would be real neat. I'll study nursing, and I'll, you know how you yeah, think you have all yeah. these dreams. I'm going to India. Save the world. Yeah. <laughs> what now? So you knew it's it, it sounds like it's somewhere in between being in a nun and a, a lay person. Yeah, and they wore a uniform uh, up until the time that I, they used to wear this little cap, the little ruching around the little oh, bowl underneath here. Oh, yeah. it's so pretty. And just before I went in, they were wearing black sailor hats and black clothing. Mm. But about 1932, why they started wearing uh, just new civilian clothes, yeah. Uni just a white uniform. But I was called on the carpet for exposing my ear. They want me to bring my hair down over my ear, and I never wore my hair over the ear, and I couldn't stand it, and I still don't. Yeah, you and I have the same hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so you you knew going in that you're not to get married, you don't date. No, no. All right. Um, 
Well, how and, did and I? And so how long? So this was 1932. 32. And did you live at the hospital? I lived at the hospital, yes. Uh -huh. and, and at, it was a, like a convent As an RN, as an RN in charge of a division, like I had the delivery room. We were given, we got room board in our uniforms and they gave us $30 a month. So that's, the, it was that type of work. So anything the girls get now, I always tell them, I said, you, you've earned all this. Take everything they give you because you've earned it. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Did you feel good about it? Oh, yes, enough? I loved it. Yeah. And I see this was in May and 1st of July. We had a resident, somebody named Henry Scott. And it just turned my life upside down, and I knew where I was going, and I was annoyed with him, really. And um, he kept saying to me, I don't know why you won't go out with me. Well, I wasn't going to risk jeopardizing what future I thought was ahead of me. But he said to me one day, you may as well go out with me, because someday you're going to marry me. And I thought he was just about one of the freshest house doctors, you know. And uh, it was about, um, oh, I guess 1934. Oh, 1934, I was uh, waiting for a bus to go out to Grover, Missouri. And he came along and he said, uh, where are you going? I told him, he said, I'm going out that way. You get in and I'll take you. And I thought, this is nice. So my roommate and I got in. And then he said, now when you get ready to go home, if you let me know, I'll bring you back home. Well, rather than a Greyhound bus ride, we decided to do that. And uh, that was the beginning of it. But I lived in St. Louis, you see, so it was a little easy for me to get around the rules and regulations. My home was in St. Louis. So you could go home mm -hmm. and then yeah. date him. Yeah. What did Mama say? Oh, Mama liked him very much, yeah. And it was okay with her? Yeah, yeah. After she once knew that, you know, that... We were serious about serious. it, yeah. yeah. Well, what was the, had you dated in high school or at all? Had you? Uh, I had, yeah, I had had some dates, yeah. But see, I was 25 and I got married. My, my youngest sister thought I was married late in life. Mm. I was 25. Yeah. Okay. My husband was 30. We weren't kids, but I didn't think we were late in life. What did Mary, Mother Mary Magdalene? Well, when I went it? in to um, hand in my resignation, uh, they asked me why I was resigning, and I said, I'm planning to get married. And they wanted to know who, and I told them. And uh, Sister Beato, one of the head nurses there, she said to me, um, Sister Irma, have you prayed about this? And I said, yes, I have, and I think this is what the Lord wants me to do. But you know, I wish I could answer that to her now. We had 53 years of marriage, and I could really answer that with a lot of sincerity, you know, mm -hmm. because we worked together in the office. We did a country practice. We had home delivery. You were out in Ball when you yes, told me on the phone. Uh, he was yeah. an uh, MD out there, day country practice. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and so that from there on, we were just worked together and did everything together. And 
We didn't have any children, so we just kept working together. Had each other. Yeah. And then. And then he went and volunteered for service when uh, the war started. After Pearl Harbor. Yes, after Pearl Harbor. Uh -huh. In 1942. Yeah, 1942, and he was um, sent to um, Camp Robinson at Little Rock. And I went down with him, and uh, I can still remember the farewell when he, uh, we were at the hotel, and he started to go out to camp, and he told me goodbye, went out of the hotel room. Pretty soon he was back in the room, told me goodbye again. I think three times he went down. It was hard, you know, hard to see me. Then I came home, and I had to close the office, and. Um, at that time, we didn't have a pharmacy, and I called Sister Mary, the pharmacist at Deaconess, and she came out, and I said, now just take any, because I didn't know how long we'd been gone, and I was ashamed to waste some of the things that we had there. Mm -hmm. So I said, you take anything you see here that you can use, and she did. And so I got that over, and then we talked to some friends that uh, we had up there and asked them if they would live and we had the office on the ground floor and the living quarters above if they would come and live in our living quarters it sort of just eased my mind that someone would be in the house mm -hmm. so we moved everything from the living quarters up into the attic and then um, these friends moved in and uh, then i went to i followed him to um, fort banning and uh, there they had to, um, when he went overseas, I had to drive home, and one of the girls came with me. And then I went up to see his folks for um, Christmas or Thanksgiving, I think, and they wanted to go see their son at Mount Vernon, Illinois, whose wife had just had a baby, so I drove them there, and she took sick there. We had to take her home by ambulance while I got, where I had to stay up at Ashland. This is right between Jesse and Columbia. And I stayed there, and he took sick. I had both of them in bed. And they got feeling better, and I thought, well, it'd be better for me to get back in the nursing. So I applied at Boone County and was accepted and was planning to go to work there. And all of a sudden, I thought, why am I doing this? You know, I miss my friends. I miss the people at the hospital, everybody knew, my family. So I talked to my in-laws. Of course, with a little few tears, because I hate, I, I didn't want to hurt them. Mm -hmm. But I came home, and then I went on night duty at uh, Deaconess in the delivery room. And uh, the uh, doctor said, oh, the black sheep has returned. By mm -hmm. that time, I'd had a <laughs> reputation. You had a reputation. Black sheep. <laughs> so uh, that, that's how I got back to Deaconess. Now, let me see what else I um, I covered that. Um, I waited. I went to the delivery room because that was really my first love. I love the miracle of the birth. I've never gotten over it as all that I've ever seen delivered. And uh, we did home deliveries. And my husband was at home. And we did until after he came back. And then, by that time, his early babies were growing up and marrying. And it was harder on him to deliver them than it was to deliver their mothers because he was emotionally yeah. maybe different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he sounds yeah. like a very special person. He was, yes. I have two pictures of him on the wall, one taken in Wales in his uniform and the other one taken just a short time before we died. He's a real good picture, maybe a couple of years. And I always say, this is the one I fell in love with. This is the older one, the one I really love, you know, because mm -hmm. your love grows. Yeah, you know, if you're lucky. Then when uh, I thought the war was going to be over, oh, I do want to tell you about the mail. He was a typical doctor as far as handwriting, mm -hmm. you know. And when they went to V-mail, all I could ever say something was, thank God he's still alive. He's written this, but I couldn't read it. Didn't know what had kind of was reduced to V-mail. It was just impossible to read it. But I heard from him fairly regularly just said about that. Where was he sent? He was in Wales until the uh, invasion, and then he followed into France. Uh, behind the advanced forces, um, he had the medical detachment with the um, 183rd Ordnance, and they were the ones that serviced the machinery as it broke down, mm -hmm. fouled them up and fixed it. So he was almost on the front line. Yeah, but not, not quite. Uh, Close enough. Yeah, and um, when the war was over in Europe, I thought, oh, mm -hmm. he's coming home, you know, so I decided to fix up. Oh, I didn't. During the war years, I uh, moved the office out, moved some of that upstairs in the attic, and I made a little apartment for myself in three of the rooms in the office, and that's where I lived. In Yeah, uh-huh. What was it like to be alone, to be concerned like you were? Well, um... And to wait for the mail? Uh, first, working helped, you know, and being around people that I knew helped. And, um... If I got too lonesome, Mom, when my sisters lived in St. Louis, and I would go in and stay in mm -hmm. overnight with them and then mm -hmm. go on into the hospital and work. But uh, being back at work in the delivery room was a tremendous help. Mm -hmm. Were you um, ever with, you know, people like yourself that, you know, were there, did you, were your friends also at the hospital? Well, not at the hospital, friends, they, they no. weren't married. But, uh, the, I had friends out there, though, whose husbands are in service, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one of, them, one of them had, uh, I think, three or four children, mm -hmm. and uh, I used to think, oh, Helen, you're so lucky you've got the kids, you've got someone to hug and love, mm -hmm. see, and she used to say to me, oh, you're so lucky you don't have kids to worry about, mm -hmm. so it just depends upon how you look at did you have any free time at all? Yes, I would get off a day or so at time. And I went up to uh, uh, see his folks every mm -hmm. so often would take some time off to see them because I felt they needed something. I would go up to Quincy and pick up his brother's family and then we'd cut on over to Ashland and mm -hmm. then I'd have to take her home and I'd come home. Mm -hmm. did, so, you ever, you, did you ever go into the USO or anything? No, I didn't really have time for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did they have blood drives at uh, Yeah, at the but uh, they, um, I wanted to give blood, but my pressure was so low, they didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to give it, and so they said they would do it the one time. And so I got a card saying I could donate blood, mm -hmm. but they wouldn't take it again. Now, this was the, high, this was the hospital on the 
Oakland Avenue. Oakland. Yeah, Deaconess. Yeah, uh -huh. I remember That's that. That's right, yeah. Um, I, what, what, uh, was there ever a time when you were particularly more worried about him than other times? You would read something in the news or... Yeah, my father-in-law would sit at the time when we knew that the invasion had started, you know, and he would sit at the tel at the radio, not television that time. And he would go from one station to the other one to catch the news, and I was up there taking care of them, and I thought I could scream, you know, and I think, why, why listen to it all the time, uh -huh. you know? I, it wasn't that I didn't want to think about it, but I just couldn't bear to listen to it all the time. How, how did you, uh, how often did you write to him? Oh, I think every day. Every day. Yeah. You yeah. know what was going on and how I was. And now, what did you tell me before we turned the tape on that you had something in your... You had a oh, it was Cablegram when he landed in Wales. Yeah. Wales. Uh -huh. And he always laughed. He said the only time he was ever injured or in danger of anything, he was taking a walk in Wales, and it was blackout, and somebody ran into him with a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty lucky. Do you remember blackouts here? Yes. Yes, and this, uh, now they talk about a lot in Florida, they blacked out the coastline, because we weren't living there at the mm -hmm. time. No, we were here. Um, are there, did you have a victory garden or anything like that? No, no. I gave my full time to work. You know, we worked long hours at that time, and I drove back and forth. Do you remember anything like Roosevelt's death? Or oh, yes. Oh, yes. What was... How did that? Well, to me, it was pretty devastating. Because you know, we didn't know all that went on, and uh, we simply, a lot of people had a lot of faith in him. Mm -hmm. It felt like he'd been at the helm all this time, and we just thought things would fall apart. And VE Day? Victory in Europe Day? Yeah. I remember that. Because that's when I got all excited and thought he was coming home. Mm -hmm. And I, I told the hospital I was going to work to a certain, I don't know what date it was, and he'd probably be home for Thanksgiving. I was shooting for that date. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get my house back in order and uh, move the office back and move my furniture back in the house and paint it. And then I got a cablegram that his orders were changed and he was going to the Pacific. Mm -hmm. And I had some paint, and I was going to paint the stairwell from the kitchen into the garage and I remember painting that and I just beat the tar out of that wall with that paint and cried you know I was mm -hmm. just so disappointed and uh, they sent him down to the hospital in Marseille he got that far and then of course uh, everything changed and then I didn't know when he would come home and then in January why well, um I got a cablegram saying he was in the States. Well, that... Wait, now we, we back up because all right. we, the atom bomb was dropped. Yes, yes. So that changed... That changed the Sharpton War. But that changed him from going to he the Pacific. He kept him, yes, the atom, atom bomb kept him from going to the Pacific because he was ready to be shipped out. 
What was it like in St. Louis when that bomb was dropped? I mean, do you remember uh, your reaction to it? I, I, I felt a horror at the thought of the damage that was done. I mean, I didn't, I don't remember that I looked at it as a way of uh, ending the war. To me, I just seemed to be horrified at the damage that was done and the lies that were and then the people that were burnt and the suffering. I remember that. They had something on television last night, mm. uh, and I, it, we saw the same yeah. flat. But I, I just, I didn't think of it as a way of bringing the war mm -hmm. to an immediate end. But I mean, at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It did. Yeah, it did. Um, did St. Louis change to you? Did the hospital that you were working at change? Oh, yes, because they uh, started hiring nurses from other hospitals. And they went from a 12-hour day to an 8-hour day, which we thought would never work. <laughs> we just couldn't imagine being on duty only 8 hours. Oh, you mean your original shifts were 12? 12, yes. 7 in the morning, 7 at night. Oh. Yeah. So why did they make it? What, what did the war have to do with the 8-hour shift? Well, I think this happened just slightly before the war. Uh -huh. yeah. hmm. But they, they start hiring more outside help. And and were they as good? Were they trained as well? Oh, I think so, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, of course, we just felt that um, the Deaconess has had a, more of a spiritual attitude mm -hmm. towards something. Did you ever get downtown in St. Louis? Yes, we used to catch the bus right in front of the Deaconess on all... They had service cars at that time, uh -huh. and you could stand out there and flag them down, and they take you all the way down. You know, they may have um, six passengers in there. Mm -hmm. Then I mean, did you see you know, all the servicemen that would say it was more crowded? And no, no, I never mm -hmm. got down there for that. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have anything else on your notes? Well, let's see. Well. No, except that he came home. Tell me about that. <laughs> when did you, how did you find out he was coming home? I got a cablegram, and all it says, in the States. I didn't know where it was, you know, where it was sent. And I thought, boy, I better get busy. And I did my hair shampoo. My, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do, you know, and I baked cookies and uh, called his parents. And uh, the telephone rang one evening, and here it was Henry calling from uh, my sister's on Arsenal, right here. I was so dumbfounded, and he said, I'll be out just as quick as he can take me out. Now, my sister was pregnant with twins, and she was lying down. She had no idea he was anywhere near, but he came into Jeff Barracks, and he called a cab and went directly to my sister's. And just walked in on unannounced and they were so dumbfounded so then they got in the car and came on out and i was thinking what am i going to say you know what's first the young state train and with snow on the ground and i had this dress on trying to get the belt on and i ran out to the car when he came in i mean the first word i said to him i lost my belt and i thought oh. <laughs> 
I'm sure he didn't care. How did he look to you? Oh, he looked wonderful, yes, yes. Pretty loaded down with a lot of heavy khaki. Um. Did he look different to you? Uh, it, well, it, yes, he looked like he just slimmed down somewhat, mm -hmm. as I remembered him. Mm -hmm. But two and a half years, you know, I kept thinking, now this is what it's like to be a widow, except I know, God willing, he'll be home again. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm a widow two and a half years, I thought about that often, and I thought that was two and a half years seemed longer and more difficult for me than these two and a half years. Because there was this period of waiting. You know, when you wait, the days are long, mm -hmm. and it seemed a much longer two and a half years than the present two and a half years have been. How is it now? What is it like? To be a widow? Well, I think people think they're all right, and that you're doing great, and Really and truly, you don't. But you just start to put on a mask and don't think too much about it because everybody else, my sister that I live with here, also lost her husband. Mm -hmm. And she had nursed him at home and had him at home for a long time. And I had my husband at home too for, well, let's see, he took sick about five years before he died. And the last three and a half years were pretty rough. But you can't say anything about because everybody has their own story to tell about. My sister had a very difficult time with her mm -hmm. husband. Do you ever talk about it together, though? Would it be better to share it? Yeah, we do. We, especially at the time of death, we often talk about that mm -hmm. because they both had a feeling that there was something out there. I definitely had the feeling that my husband was reaching for somebody or something, saw something that I could not see and that was not a part of my life. And she had the same, same thing, same experience. Uh, mother died at our home and uh, about four hours before she died, she sat up in bed and she said, the choir is practicing late tonight. We had no music on. There's no way that been any music coming to the room. So we talked about this, about these mm -hmm. different experiences. Is it kind of comforting to be able to talk about it or to know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. <coughs> it's, um, it's interesting to you that you would, would be comparing the two mm -hmm. experiences. I, would there be <coughs> there's fear attached to the one before when you were waiting for him? Though? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I you know reports came in. Oh, Doctor Scott's been injured. He, he's he's lost his hands, and my mother used to get so upset. And I said, Mom, where would the reports come from? I don't know, Jocelyn. I said, Mama, if anything happens to Henry, I would be the first to know. I said, I wouldn't have to hear it from people in the community. Mm -hmm. So I used to take off of mm -hmm. But now, as far as his death is concerned, uh, I just felt like, you know, had you been 
with someone and they were happy to see you or, or to love you and hold on to you and suddenly see somebody else and turn you loose and reach for something, mm -hmm. you know, somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you might turn around and say, who are they looking at? This is, this is a death experience for me. Is that comforting? Yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. there was something yeah. else that... Yeah, because we, he, uh, it was Palm Sunday, and he was, um, I was kneeling by him, we had taken communion, the folks had all gone to church, because I had a nephew being confirmed. Mm -hmm. And I was alone, and I was kneeling by the bed, and we had said the 23rd Psalm, and I was holding his hands, and all of a sudden he just dropped my hand, and I, t I was turned to look. You know, he reached out for something else. Yeah, uh-huh. And I took his hand again and held it, and he shook it off. And I left him alone after that, and I thought, well, now he, he's welcoming somebody he's that I can't out. see. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how long was it then before he died? Maybe 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, how nice that you yeah. realized that yeah, I mean, said, I mean, to me, that has taken the fear of death away because um, there seemed to be such joy in him at that particular time. Oh, gosh. And you were able to recognize. Yeah. Back, back to the other. I, I feel like I'm swinging you a yeah, little bit. Right. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. All right. Um, did you feel stronger for the two and a half years, as, you know, because you came through that and you were by yourself? You yeah, yeah, you had, because you had to make your decision mm -hmm. yourself, and uh, uh, I had to learn how to take care of a car, which I never did before, and uh, uh, handle other finances and things, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, take responsibility for my life. And, uh, Yes, I think you grow from an experience like that. You had been, um, I mean, you made a big decision to do this deaconess, uh, evangelical deaconess mm -hmm. for nursing. And on the other hand, that was very, um, um, I don't know what do you call it, um, well, you were, you were kind of closed in there. You were sheltered, so to yeah. speak. So you. My sisters always tell me I'll let a shelter life. <laughs> <laughs> and then you married Henry. Yeah. And then he went away. So yeah. the the warriors were yeah. uh, could have been yeah. Well the, as I say, the sisters out there were nice mm -hmm. and, and to help me. Yeah. And you really went they back into that. They are now and in this last year when my sister was so sick. She had a bad spell one night about one thirty. She became disoriented. She would not believe she was a decent as I tried to talk to her on the phone. I called Sister Gertrude. She went over at 1.30 in the morning and stayed with my sister. So they're friends like that. I mean, you really have yeah. I asked you what the impact of the war was on you or how did it directly impact on you or directly influence your life? The biggest thing, you're going to laugh at this, I know. No. My husband never felt he could take vacation because there was always somebody's going to have a baby or this might happen or that. And so we went along and never had a vacation. So when he came home, I said, Now, Henry, 
let's think this through. I said, they got along two and a half years. I said, let's take one month out of the year for vacation. So we decided we would put a sign up in the, in the office that the month of May with the farming community, and that's usually the time when people are busy outdoors and not too much illness. And we decided that month of May would be our vacation month. Every year? Uh-huh. Good. And we also stated that to anybody getting pregnant and due during the month of May, that uh, <laughs> we would take care of them if we were here, but we could not wait for them until we delivered. We would have to turn them over to somebody else. So. Uh, that worked out very well that it seems it's time for vacation. You probably had nobody get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody planned around your vacation. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, was did you and Henry have any kind of periods of adjustment because of in a way was was it different? We well, yeah because he wasn't open about his experiences at all. It took many years before he ever told me anything about it, and I didn't press him. He just didn't want to talk about it. He came home and he said, don't ever ask me to leave the United States again. And I said, look, honey, I didn't ask you to go the first time. So we just never toured out. We toured the United States, but he didn't want to go out of the country. We did get up into Canada a little bit. What made but him? I'm sorry. He just so glad to get home. What, what made him decide to talk about it at a later date? I don't know. Just sometimes, just some conversation that we get into, or something I read. I love to read, and then he would make a statement or two about. It. But mm -hmm. really, to get down and just talk. I, I guess he was home at least 15 years before I knew that he went over the edge of the boat on a rope ladder <laughs> carrying his gear to go into France, and I never could imagine him doing that. But it took a long time for me to ever learn about that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Did you feel shut out by his not talking about it? No, no. He was always a man of few words, so I guess it really didn't disturb me too much. But he said the ones that were important, like, yeah. you're going to marry me someday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I don't know. Thank you very much. Duke, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. I had an experience when I was, I had surgery, and I was quite ill. Shall I tell you that? When, when was this? About 10 years ago. If you'd like to. Um, I was getting ready to go down to church for a meeting. I stopped to see a neighbor of mine that was sick, and as I came across our patio in the back, Henry was standing in the doorway, and I had this terrific, horrendous pain in the abdomen, and I said, oh, Henry, and I just went like this. I said, I've never had such pain. So he helped me in and thought if I would lie down, he didn't help, so he put me in the car and took me to the hospital. I had ruptured bowel. I had to have a bowel resection. I was real sick. Mm -hmm. And I had experience. I, we were getting ready to go north for a wedding. I had bought a new dress, accordion pleated skirt and a little bolero jacket. And uh, 
I saw myself in a casket in that dress. And I seemed to be like a casket was in that corner. I was like up in this corner looking down in it. And I saw myself. And I remember thinking, oh, how nice. I made it easy for him. I had a new dress for him. Mm, they didn't have to go fix They didn't it. have to go get a new dress. And with that, it was fun. Hmm. I never tried to figure out what that meant, whether I still had a life to live. And yeah. I always felt like um, I always had somebody that I was responsible for. And right now I'm responsible for my sister because she's legally blind. Hmm. And last year she was real sick. So I keep thinking the Lord's going to let me here as long as there's somebody. <laughs> you're a good woman. You're a very pretty woman. Oh, thank you. And you're very thank young you. looking. Well, I'm 82. And I yeah. bet you Henry was a very fine looking gentleman. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Well, Emma, thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. I, I like to sit and talk about him. Well. Oh, I have this. He sent me from Wales. Oh, good. What is it? And I that's the original. I had it put on a, I had it put on paper. I mean on a plate. So I have it setting up the in my house room. of a dream uh -huh. is underlined. Uh-huh. When we built will you read it? Okay. When we built the house of dreams, we little knew there'd come a day when o'er its roof a storm would break and blow our little world away. But please God we shall build again and sit at peace beside the fire and rediscover things now lost, the joys of home, the heart desire. Now that can get me weepy. I don't blame you. It gets me weepy and I have it on a plate and I had something up in our room. And, and that's the original. That's just here. From Wales <laughs> during World War II. Mm -hmm. Well, you must have just sobbed when you got that yes. from him. Yeah. Did you cry a lot him when he was gone? Uh, I did up at his folks. I did, folks. yeah. I just felt so isolated from everything that I ever really knew because they lived in this little town mm -hmm. and uh, there were no young people there at all. So you were even more lonesome up there. Yeah, the yeah. So I came home and got busy and was around my people. Wow. My family and my family at business, you know. And the doctors, I knew all of them. God bless them, they're all gone. All Henry's contemporaries. Mm -hmm. just, I just stand out like a sore thumb, but I'm grateful for the health and strength I have. Right. Thank you very much. Go ahead, I'm going to talk to you. We're just talking about what, what, how when your mom said, Oh, today, yeah. Um, kids come today, first today. Today, children come first today. We always uh, had to wait anyway if we had company but mom always said papa first and she saw that he had what he needed and the rest would be divided among us and we really didn't think anything about it i mean we just accepted it mm -hmm. and like we enjoyed the rice and weenies you know to me that, to me that sounds horrible but we ate didn't think anything didn't about think it anything about no. What, um, when and your dad went to work at 2.30 in the yes. morning, and then when did you, when did, did you get to see him much? He came home in the middle of the afternoon, uh, 
and would be home for supper and go bit right to bed. And of course there was five of us and was always be quiet, Daddy's sleeping. Mm -hmm. Which is hard to do when there's five and with a few others from the neighborhood thrown in. You yeah. Know. So did you ever did you did you have any time with him at all? A supper time a supper hour, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he would bring home bakery goods. So we just ate day old bakery when it wasn't fashionable to buy it, and now we have stores where we sell it. Yeah. And uh, then after they went from a horse-drawn delivery wagon to a truck, we just didn't want to eat it because we said it tastes like gasoline. And oh. I, I often wonder if the trucks weren't built as proof from the exhaust as mm -hmm. they are today, and things were not sealed. They had shelves in the mm -hmm. truck, and I think they did absorb a certain amount of the fumes because we always said the bakery goods didn't taste as good after they had the truck. Because hmm. it tasted like fumes. Probably right. Did he stay in the bakery business until he retired or died? Uh, well, uh, yes, until he retired. Mm -hmm. yeah. did he, uh -huh. Who did he work for? Mother's Bread. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mother's Bread. What's, what's the best of times for you? The best of times, I think, the years that Henry and I were working, I loved to work with him in the office. And I loved going out on deliveries. And, you know, you go out, although I always say we wanted to kill some night running to a delivery at home delivery. But I loved home deliveries. I really did. Why? Well, the family was there. Uh, you clean up the baby, you show it to the rest of the family, show it to the other kids. It's nice. part of the family. You know. The night mother died, mother had been sick, she'd been dying of cancer for months, you know, and, and uh, it was a rather trying time for us, and we were taking care of her because mama wanted us to, and we didn't want to let her down. And the night she died, I thought, well, we'll get a good night's sleep. A woman went into labor, and going to her house, I said to him, I know the Lord knows how tired we are and how badly we need sleep. Why did she go into labor tonight of all nights? The next night, they had the wet, heaviest snow that I can ever remember on the 4th of November. We would never have gotten to that woman's house. And I said to Henry, you should never, I should never question the Lord's wisdom because she would have been left alone. We just couldn't have gotten there from where they lived because um, they had the, the fire department came and got us to go to the funeral parlor. They were the only ones that had a car that could get through. And we postponed Mama's burial for a week because they couldn't get the vault into the cemetery. One of the, but I remember, I, I enjoyed our early years, you know, when mm -hmm. before the war, we we were much younger and enjoying life and enjoying yeah. our work. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm.